1: Maverick Show. I'm Mike Strack along with Mike Yerod on the Mad Lab, uh, and we're joined now by a man who needs no introduction, Frankie the Answer Edgar. Uh, July 11th, Frankie, uh, at your Phantom Weight debut. First of all, how's weight cutting going?
2: Uh, it's, You know, it's going good. Uh, I don't really get too high. When I decided I was going down 35 last summer, I kind of started getting my mindset towards that, and uh, you know, I started, I pretty much weigh 155, so I'm coming down 55. I'm using the UFC PI uh, nutritionist and whatnot. So I'm doing
1: the right way. You know, it's funny. I, I just read an article about a, a 35 pounder. I forgot who it was, but it, it, the, uh, the description was a natural 35 pounder. And I started laughing at myself because every time uh, I tried to say Frank Yeager was a natural 55 pounder, I'd be like, oh, oh, don't, don't ask. Don't, don't, you know, don't bring that up. Don't bring that up all the time. And now it's a thing. It cracks me up when, uh, when it works in, 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 in the advantage of uh, of the UFC, but when you know back in the day, they kept saying you were too small for 55 before you became champion, and uh, it just cracked me up when I read it this morning.
2: Yeah, I've been fortunate to, uh you know, not really cut much weight throughout most of my career. Even at 45, it was pretty easy to make weight. So this is the first time I'm venturing down, and honestly, I, I think I'm still lighter than a lot of these 35 pounders.
1: <laughs> uh, Mad Lab's been uh, covering the sport uh, for a long time. Uh, I'm sure he's got some questions for you. I, you know, John, you got a you're fighting Pedro Munoz. He's a he's a tough kid. Have you ever had a, an easy fight in UFC? I, I can't remember anybody yet, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. You know, uh, and that's kind of the way I prefer it, I guess. Uh, Maybe, Matt Maybe Matt Beach.
1: Maybe Matt Beach.
2: Yeah, Matt Beach was a replacement. Um, he was undefeated at the time, though. Well, he was know? a tough.
1: He was tough, but I remember that fight. And I remember you like I think it was the second round. You're just like, what the hell am I doing here? And you just went out and picked him up, threw him down, and pin. And I was gonna say pinned him, but TKO'd him. <laughs> or choked him yeah, out whenever yeah.
2: it was. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he came out like hell on wheels in that first round, but, yeah. uh, you know, i was be able to slow him down. But, uh, yeah, you know, pretty much at this stage of the game, hey, you fight anybody in the UFC, never mind the top 10, they're, they're going to be a tough opponent.
0: Frankie, a couple, of you know, just like six months ago, man, I mean, Dana White was looking on getting rid of this division in its entirety. I mean, he just wanted to abandon the division. Now, Cejudo's gone. I mean, this division's heating up. How is everybody in the division taking this? I mean, everybody seems like they're they would actually rather come down now because now there's an open belt. Was this a part of your decision? Did you smell this coming or you know, and this no. is something you saw the gate was open. Let me take a shot.
2: Not really. No, you know, I don't think they were trying to get rid of the weight. They were trying to get rid of a uh, feather or a uh, flyweight, flyweight and, uh, but that definitely opened up a lot of you know opportunities in weight, especially when Suhudo came up here, but I had no idea he, re- he was going to retire. Even when he said he was going to retire, I kind of didn't think it was going to be real, but, uh, I mean, he's, t- he's given up his title, so I guess it, it's as real as it can be. So, uh, there's definitely a lot of opportunity now. You know, it's wide open. Um, but, you know, this, this division, even before that, it was, it was uh, you know, exciting for me. So many different uh, opportunities and, and opponents out there.
1: Frankie, what's it like to train in, in this uh, COVID-19 era where, uh, you know, you really can't go to the gym and you, you can't, like, you know, or, well, it's discouraged uh, to be sweating on some, somebody else right now. Uh, so how do you get a full camp in for this fight?
2: Uh, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm lucky that I have, a, you know, I have a gym in my town that's uh, my, my wrestling school. So I've just been using that, keeping it you know, secluded to just a couple guys. And, uh, and I've been able to get it done. You know? Um, you know, since this fight has announced, I started adding more components to, to the team, more people to the team. You know, we've been in this long enough, man. I feel pretty comfortable with the people I have around me. And uh, I'm not one to stay in hiding forever. So I'm ready to go.
0: Greg, you watch. you obviously watched the last three fights. They coupled those three fights into into about nine days. Now, for me, I mean, some of these, you know, some of the judging and stuff like that was, was a little bit off. It was probably some of the worst judging I've seen in, in, in quite some time. Um, going into this fight, knowing that there's not going to be many fans around, the dynamic is completely different. Obviously, there's going to be people on short camps and stuff like that you know how does this change for you watching what you watch i don't know what your opinion on how it was handled how the judging was handled and stuff like that but not having the fans there do you feel like there is a component with the fans where the judges can hear the announcers and they kind of get swayed like how do you approach it at that point
2: yeah you know you gotta block that stuff out because it's nothing i can control you know the only thing i control is is what i do in the octagon and uh you know if i do that right then they, they should be on my side um but yeah, it, it is going to be a different different atmosphere. Uh, you know, watching it, I was trying to put myself in there, uh, you know, because that's something I've never done fought in front of an empty crowd. Although I did wrestle uh, for Clarendon University on Saturday mornings, and uh, there was no one in the gym, so you know, you hear your, you hear your shoes on the mat. So I've definitely <laughs> been in that before. But uh, it's going to be—it's going to be a little different. I think it, it's going to be cool. I, you know, I have such a good rapport with Mark. You know, we really are, are, are on the same. Uh, same vibes uh, when when I'm fighting. So I'm going to definitely be able to get his code, you know, right. 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 Right.
1: Well, you know, uh, Pedro's, he's got a great chin as we saw against Aljamain Sterling. Uh, And I'm not going to ask you the game plan, obviously, but uh, how do you, how do you like train for a guy who's got a chin like Pedro has? I mean, and you, you obviously have great, great head movement, great foot movement, great boxing better than Aljo. uh, But, uh, you know, he that chin is a – You know, he's got a granite chin. So how do you train for somebody like that?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not a knockout artist anyway. So I'm not the guy that's going to go and look to get one shot. Uh, if it takes 50 shots, then so be it. You know, I'm just going to keep my my hands in his face, keep the volume high. Uh, he comes forward, so I'm not going to have to look for him. And um, yeah, he he mixes it up. He's got you know you know very dangerous submission skills. You know, so I have my hands full, man. That's exactly what I want. You know, I want to get thrown into the into the fire right away.
0: Now, Frank, you planning on staying here? Is this is this going to be your home for a while, 145?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's it's ideal for me, you know, um, especially now that I'm dieting and I'm seeing how, you know, how light I'm getting uh, as quickly as I am. You know, I, I probably have been a 35-pounder my whole career. I've just been fortunate to not have to do it.
1: Right. How do you feel at, at what are you, 36 now? 38, Mike, 38. Get the hell out <laughs> of here. I was only trying to make you feel good, Frankie. <laughs> um yeah, how do you feel at thirty eighty? I mean, do you still feel like uh, you're in the prime?
2: I feel good. I still feel fast, strong. Uh, I, still, I think I'm making gains in my strength and condition areas. I think my boxing's getting a little better with uh, with just experience and and, uh, and comfortableness of being in there. And you know, my fight IQ just gets more and more as you go. Um, I still feel like my reactions all good. and My body's holding up. You know, I, I definitely. Uh, I don't think I changed my training. Changed my training throughout my career, but it's gotten better. I trimmed the fat. And that's helped a lot throughout, my, throughout you know, the, the latter part of my career.
1: Well, you mentioned Mark, uh, and that was for folks at home. That's Mark Henry, one of uh, Frankie's coaches. Are you still with Ricardo? Ricardo and, uh, and uh, who else are you with? Uh, and obviously, Henzo.
2: Yeah, Mark, Ricardo, Henzo. I'm still with them. Uh, you know, I see Mark all the time, Ricardo too, as well. Uh, you know, so still with Brian, for,
1: Brian with strength and conditioning?
2: Uh, no, I, I'm with, uh, ripped. It's, uh, it's in, uh, in Falls, Kit Carmine. I've been with him for a couple of years now. Uh, um, a little more scientific approach going to
1: it. And you mentioned the wrestling, uh, that's elite, elite uh, in Jackson, right? With, uh, yeah, you know,
2: I'm working out with Steve. It's been fortunate. Steve's son has been home from college. Um, great, great dad wrestler, dad Rumbera, huh? And, and he's, he's probably one of the best guys I've wrestled, you know, no, no BS, man. He's, he's uh, hell on wheels working out with him every week. So, uh, perfect timing for him to be home
1: well you know it just to, just to go off on 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 the uh the path less less chosen right now uh sebastian's such a great wrestler sebastian rivera northwestern NCAA champion uh and you know i look at your kids and they're growing up and they're i'm sure you're you're teaching them how to wrestle and, and they're going to be tough tough kids i remember when Renee first had the boys and she's like yo i got two fighters already and they were like you know four and and two years old uh what what's it like being, uh, being Frankie Edgar and being the father of two sons. Well, obviously you got a Valentina as well, but the father of two sons, and there's a lot of expectations for those kids.
2: There is. You know, I'm um, I, I, I just I'm just a normal dad. That's how I trade it. I don't try to treat it like I'm some professional athlete that has kids. I'm just a normal dad just like everyone else. I get nervous when they compete or when they get up to bat, and you know, just like everybody else. And uh, I try to support them. I have a little more know-how than most because I do this as a living. Uh so Santino, he's the one that wrestles. He's the one that, that is into what I do more so than my, my, older, my older one does baseball and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I just try to be a normal dad. Uh, and um, I, I learn from my peers. I learn from Steve, the guys that coached me and helped me out, and I try to emulate what they do.
1: Well, Obviously, Steve is very, very uh, proud of Sebastian and what he's accomplished. Uh, uh, do you feel like – we're talking about wrestling right now. Do you feel like wrestling is no longer, like, the, the, the greatest base in mixed martial arts? Do you feel like it's more of a Muay Thai these days?
2: Nah, I, I, it's case by case. It depends who you are. Uh, but I'll tell you what, everyone has to learn wrestling just like everyone has to learn boxing. You know? uh, if, you don't, if you have that big of a hole in any area, someone's going to take advantage of it. I still do think wrestling is, uh, is one of the best bases, not just because of the, the technique and the skills you learn from it, just the mental fortitude you get from wrestling your whole life, uh, especially if you come up through high school and college. You know, we take for granted that it really teaches you how to be tough mentally, physically, uh, how, to, how to juggle, you know, um, just priorities because you don't have to deal with school and wrestling, all that stuff. And that definitely comes into play for, for a fighting career.
0: Yeah, I got you know what? It's crazy you say that because when I first really started getting into this, I, I came from a boxing background. I always thought boxing reigned supreme. If you had hands and you could stay away, you keep your hips loose and in space, you'd be fine as things started evolving and guys like you were coming out showing that if you don't have wrestling, you don't have anything. And it's the fact is it's true because wrestling is offensive, but also you can be a great striker, but you got to have that defense because defensive wrestling, keeping your hips in space, sprawling little things like that are all a product of wrestling. So to me, wrestling will always be going forward. The best foundation.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest, biggest blocks to start with, you know, and uh, you can't go wrong. You, you know, even if, even if you just pick it up a little bit here and there, it's going to definitely make all your other skills better.
0: Not to mention the discipline and weight cutting.
2: Yeah. It's just, it teaches mental toughness, but no other sport can, uh, especially if you wrestle for a school, like I say, because season's a long season. It's not like fights where we make weight, you know, three, four times a year. These guys are making weight 25 times in in, it in three months. And, and that just takes uh, real
1: mental toughness. Hey, Frankie, uh, you know, you used to resist even the notion of cutting weight. Uh, now that you've come to terms with it, um, do you feel like you should have done this earlier?
2: Uh, I'm not one of those should have, could have, would have guys. You know, uh, I'm proud of my career thus far. So, I, I'm, you know, and I, I'm, I got to enjoy it too. I didn't suffer with, you know, a lot of these guys. And maybe that's why I have the longevity I have. You know, 13 years at the top of, uh, you know, whatever weight class I've been in. Um, and maybe if I cut weight, I it would have put more wear and tear on me. I don't know.
1: That's a good point. You know, it's it's tough for uh, people who aren't in the game, who, who don't do what you do to, to understand exactly what you do and how you do it and why you do it. I mean, even me covering the sport for so long, there's, there's so many things that I, I don't, I take for granted or I act like I know, but I, I don't do it. You know, if I, if I go on a keto diet and lose 10 pounds, I'm happy. <laughs> All right, I'm not going out there getting my ass kicked every day. Uh, one of your roommate, uh, roommates, roommates, uh, one of your teammates, uh, Caitlin's fighting this weekend, Chukegi and a, uh, do you have any insight on how she's doing and how she's feeling?
2: Yeah, I mean, she's looking good. I know she was able to stay consistent. Uh, you know, she was coming down, uh, coming to the gym, working out uh, uh, on the sparring days that we were. Kayla's great. She's, uh, she's a, a very motivated fighter. You know, you, she doesn't need to be pushed. She's going to show up. If anything, you probably need to tell her to back, back down, you know, to chill out, take a day off here and there. So she's always prepared. Um, she's one of the most technical, you know, fighters on our team. And her pace is uh, – it just doesn't slow down the whole time. So I'm excited. I know she's looking forward to this one, especially fighting Valentina's sister. A little, little bit of a paybacks, I guess you could say.
0: It's a good matchup. I like it on paper. It's a good, good matchup. The style yeah, is good. The style, the style is good for her.
2: I agree. I agree. I mean, about the, uh, Anto- Antonina, she comes after it, too. So they're, they're definitely in the scrap.
1: They're very talented sisters, man. I, I'd hate to be uh, I'd hate to be one of their boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, exactly.
2: This is true.
1: All right, Frankie, I, you know, I want to let you go because I know you're uh, you're tired and you're training, and uh, I appreciate every time you come on the show and uh, don't want to take up too much of your time. So we appreciate it. Mike Urato, Mike Straga. Frankie Egger. thank you so much, brother. Mike's.
2: My mics, All right, man.
1: Keep <laughs> up, fellas. Take Good luck, right. man. Hey, give my love to your family, man. I will. You too. All right. Talk to you later. Take you uh, One of the nicest guys in the sport, uh, Mike, he's just uh, – He's always there for me. You know, I've, I've known Frankie since uh, probably 2005. I put him on my Fox Fight Game show as my fight analyst. And I met, her through, I met him through Henzo Gracie. So Frankie and I go back a long way. And, you know, I've been to almost every single one of his fights except for uh, the Benson Henderson fight in Japan. I couldn't make that one. But he's a, he's a good guy, man. He's a tough tough as they come.
0: He's one of us, dude. You know, it's, it's, being a, it's hard to explain. Being, living around here. There's certain people you recognize, like you know, you know people who are from around here. You can go to any other state, like places like Minnesota, Vegas, where there's drifters. You know what I mean? People yeah. are from Tennessee, you know. So when Frankie, a guy like that, walks up to you, you know where he's from because we exactly. recognize he's, it. You know, he's
1: been training with the same team since 2000, and I think two. You know, so maybe, maybe 2003. He left his first team, uh, but then he, you know, he had he met Mark Henry, met Ricardo Mayto, met Enzo Gracie. And he's been around and, you know, and the team has grown. You know, I, I've seen I, – I, I've been training with these guys too. So, I, I saw Dustin Poirier come through. I saw Michael Chandler come through. I saw Eddie Alvarez come through. And Eddie probably still is. You could probably still count Eddie, Eddie as part of the team. Edson Barbosa was on that team. Uh, oh, God. Edson Marlon Edson was on that team. He
0: got robbed, oh. man.
1: Yeah, I know. Zabit, I mean, is, Zabit is on that team. I mean, these guys are all – they're all killers, man. But, yeah, I agree with that. I
0: mean, come on. You can't get that wrong. You can't get that wrong. You can't get that wrong.
1: Well, speaking of uh, tough guys, I mean, Justin Gaethje, holy cow.
0: Uh, you know what? You know what the crazy thing about that fight was is that people are overlooking this. They're looking at, you know, he's a killer. He's this, he's that. But to look at from where he's, he's come you know, this kid was such a wild card. You know what I mean? He just literally, he went in on his durability. That's was his shield. Like someone like Frank Yeager, he knows his ace in his back pocket is his wrestling. He knows he always can be, re- if he gets, you know, stunned or shocked, or he, his knees start going, he knows his gut instinct is going right to his wrestling. You know, Gaethje relied on his durability. Trevor Whitman honestly should be coach of the year after what he has done to Gaethje, Uh Just in the last four fights, I mean, if you watch how he, He's he's made him patient. He's made him look for openings, create angles. I mean, he he looks like a completely completely different fighter. I mean, completely different fighter. And and you know, Tony Ferguson's a guy who kind of takes you off your blueprint and makes you fight in the chaos. And he didn't. He kept his ground. And Trevor Whitman, what he said to him in the corner, he said, "You remember the last two times you did this, you got knocked out. You know, at the end of the fight." And sure, and just to let him know, this is the way you've been fighting. Don't go back to your instinctual ways. Stay on this track. The kid fought a perfect fight.
1: Speaking of Tony Ferguson, uh, I, I enjoyed – and I don't normally enjoy the Twitter uh, beefs, but recently Conor McGregor and Tony went back and forth, and then uh, they were talking about how Paradigm Sports, who was audio guitar, was representing Tony. And, and uh, Tony said, they never represented me. If, if they did, then you owe me money, Connor, because you've been holding back money from me. And Connor responded, the way you were, you were falling all over yourself, you'd be an embarrassment to be represented by paradigm sports. And I, I kind of laughed at that one. And I, not, not to take anything away from Tony Ferguson. Obviously, he's a great fighter. He's way better than, than, than I am. So I'm, I, I'm not like, you know, I'm not, this is no short, short, short Freud, But I did think it was a funny thing for Connor to say.
0: Yeah, you know what thing with Tony Ferguson, man, is I think sometimes he, in his own mind he's not human. You know, and I really, really think that those two weight cuts did something to him. I mean, I I understand trying to prove to people that you're gonna you're gonna continue to go on to your camp, even though the fight is off and you're gonna make weight. A lot of people don't understand when you cut weight that many, and we could ask Frankie this question, but when you cut weight that many that many times, um you know, and you start getting up in age, it doesn't get easier. Your bio- The biology in your body just starts to slow down at a certain point. You know, so I really do th- think it did affect him, and that's not taking anything away from Justin Gage in any way, shape, or form, uh, but he wasn't pulling the trigger to- like, like the normal Tony Ferguson usually does in that fight.
1: Right. Well, I did hear from, uh, from Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, and they can't come on today, but they will come on next week, and we can talk about Tyson.
0: What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's great for Tyson. I think it's great for bare knuckle fighting. I mean, I think it'll be their biggest their biggest show for sure. I think even the most casual fan will wanna see Mike Tyson and see him fight. You know, I, I, I'm not I'm not in love with Tyson coming back. You know, as a fight observer as you are, he's gonna you know, unless they, they hand him a tomato can, he's 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 gonna last about a minute and a half before he runs out of gas.
0: Well apparently they apparently he's fighting Shannon Briggs.
1: Well, that's not a, like I said, tomato can.
0: <laughs> well, he's actually really, good you see the shape? He's actually in really good shape they're right
1: now. They're both in great shape, but, I mean, they're both, uh, you know, so old now. It's, you know, I don't know how old you are, Mike, but I'm 50 years old, and I, I'm lucky if, if I start hitting hard, you know, I see all these clips of Mike Tyson hitting the, hitting the pads really hard, but it, they're so heavily edited that it's so obvious that he doesn't have much stamina right now.
0: And not only that, pads don't hit back.
1: Exactly. You know, I I'll, I'll be honest, like, about six weeks ago, I, I got back in the uh, in the, my friend's basement. We're hitting Muay Thai pads. I threw up. I threw up within like a minute, and I, I, I threw it in,
0: yes. in a
1: in a, a kitty litter box. I mean, I'm 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 a little back now. I mean, I feel a lot better now, I have at least six minutes in me now, but I mean, I, I'm talking six hard minutes. I can go, you know, for thirty minutes in a good workout and get a nice sweat going, and you know, I feel good about myself. But if I if I go full power, Jesus, I can't. Dude. It, to do what Tyson did in those videos, that was, you know, to look that good and to sound that good. But look at the editing on that. Yeah. I mean, how many times did they do it? You know. Well, look, what,
0: look what they did to uh, – this, this is why I don't like stuff like this, because when, when, the, when the, the, the train starts to roll, the cabooses start to follow. So yeah. now you got guys like Holyfield, who Holyfield – because in my era – I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Muhammad Ali, and I studied Sugar Ray Robinson and these guys, but they, I wasn't even alive for these guys. Right, Evander Holyfield was my guy I mean that was like Patrick Ewing was to me For the Knicks, everything to me was Holyfield I, I, I paved my entire Process with Evander Holyfield And to see him now trying to make a Comeback is almost disturbing To me, and they made a video of him hitting the Bags and doing jump ropes and stuff like that And he looks like an old Slow man, but they got music Behind them, they got him hitting the pads They got a little more pop coming out in the audio So yeah. it looks so much better, but now What's going to happen, he's going to come back He's going to maybe fight Tyson, maybe in an exhibition fight. He's going to look like the laugh. People are going to watch it because not because they want to watch a band of Holyfield and Tyson because it's fucking comedic at this point.
1: But you know what? What's funny is that remember when Chuck Liddell was going to come back to fight Tito? Yeah. And he, and he put out those videos of him hitting the pads with uh, John Hackleman. Oh, right? he
0: looked fun. Yeah, but Hackleman didn't want him to fight that fight.
1: Well, and I just I was wondering, I'm like, who in the hell would release this? Chuck looks so bad. He looks so slow. Yeah, and I thought to myself, like, who is behind this? Like, who is actually releasing the? This is the worst video I've seen. Like, I've seen like Weekend Warriors strike better than that.
0: Yeah, that was bad. It was well, well, Hackleman ha- refused to be in his corner for that fight.
1: Well, good for Hackleman. Yeah, yep. You know, that's one thing I li- I've always liked, John. He, he's like, he's a private guy. Obviously, he, he does his Facebook Live every every week, and he's I, I watch it. And I learned some stuff from him. Uh, I think he's a great guy. And I, but, you know, he's only had one champion. Uh, let, you know, let's get that straight. Yeah, the, however, yeah, that Chuck one, champion, that one champion was Chuck Waddell. Yeah. Uh, however, um, you know, it's not like he's Greg Jackson or Faraz Ahabi or Henzo Gracie. Like, these people who have so many champions under their belt. I mean, oh, speaking of champions. You know, everybody loves to bust on Ali, Frankie's, Frankie's manager. How many freaking champions? go on dominance MMA and look at the fighters he has. He's got like seven champions in the UFC.
0: You no, know, I don't get it, dude. What, what is the beef with
1: him? Well, people are people. They don't like him because he's Muslim, you know, and, and obviously there's this, there's this obvious, uh, uh, I guess, bias against Muslims in this country for, you know, for, for many reasons, uh, whether you agree or not. However, Ali, you know, I think people don't like Ali because he's not afraid to, to open his mouth he's not afraid to stand up for people listen i've i've rolled with ali ali's a tough dude he was a judo champion he trained at greg jackson's uh many many years ago before he came to Hensel gracie's and he's a tough dude man i he'd kick my ass i'm not i I wouldn't deny that i've seen him roll with his with some some of the best i've seen him roll with george st pierre and hang in there he's great
0: no, no he could but let me ask you something what happened about a year ago bryce mitchell challenged him to a grappling match. Whatever happened with that.
1: I don't know. Do you remember that? I, I remember I, I know Ali said I'll, I'll I'll do it. But you know, I think maybe you know, there are people who step in, you know, Henzo Gracie's very smart and so is Dana White. And they probably told Ali, "Look, dude, what are you doing? Like don't don't do that shit." Yeah. You know, I don't know that for a fact, but I do know you know, when Henzo says something, Ali agrees and Ali won't ever go against Henzo. Uh, Henzo is one of the reasons why Ali is not, – not, not, not the only reason, but he's one of the reasons why Ali's in business. So when Henzo says – you know, look at even Chael Sonnen. When Chael Sonnen was, was fighting uh, Anderson Silva and saying all that stuff about Brazil, he got a call from Henzo Gracie and he, he stopped talking about Brazil and he stopped talking about how ass-backwards Brazil was. And then, when somebody asked him, How come you stopped it? And, you know, uh, Chel Sutton said, Hey, well, you know what? When Hensel Gracie calls, you say yes. You say yes, sir, and no, sir. And he gave me a call, and let me just say he wasn't too happy with me. And I said, Yes, sir. I will not do it again. And that was the end of it. So, Hensel Gracie's a gangster, brother. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bro, his lineage, his, bro. The people that's coming, people. A lot of people don't know. D- D- Danaher came up from him. I mean, Danaher when he was when Danaher was training on him, he wasn't even a black belt at the time. And I think that I, if I got the story correctly, Henzo kind of relinquished the school to him to 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 teach in there, and he came up with this whole philosophy of, of le- the leg system. You know how how you know everybody worries about the belly button up, and everybody completely neglects attacking the legs, your two biggest limbs. And he brought the – I mean, he's just – I mean, Henzo's got such a wide tree uh, of uh, of legends, dude. I mean, the, the Dan Hart's got to be one of the goats, dude. I mean, he really brought the, the, the leg game in full torque, you know, in into jiu I mean, it's, it's – it's, it's, and it's really Henzo, dude. It's, it's, it's Henzo's base, and everybody else branches off from it.
1: I'll never forget after George St. Pierre fought Dan Hardy. And George had – I don't know if you saw that fight, but George had Hardy in an armbar that was like – it was gruesome. It was like, you know, watching Ronda and Misha Tate, that armbar. But George couldn't finish him, couldn't, couldn't get the tap. Dan survived it. And then immediately after the fight, George won the fight, immediately after the fight, I'm not talking like 10 minutes – I'm not talking like a, a, the next morning. I'm talking 10 minutes after the fight, Danaher was on the mat in the back room with George, showing him what he did wrong. And I was just – I was astonished. I was like, this is like – this is real. You know what I mean? This, These are like real, including George, because George was like, what did I do wrong? And John was showing him right after the fight what he did wrong and why he couldn't finish Dan Hardy. And I thought, man, that's what training is, and that's what real, like, dedication is.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's that's a testament to George St. Pierre too, man. He This dude is always – you know, reinventing himself, whether it's in business, whether it's in, you know, his, his, uh, his ability to fight or just as a person, the dude is always trying to reinvent
1: himself. Well, one last thing before we close up, Mike, Uh, uh, Tyron Woodley fighting Gilbert Burns this week. What, what, what do you think?
0: You know, I'm not going to give my prediction, you know, on here, but I'll give you a brief uh, synopsis on it. Um, You know, I think I, you know, a lot of people are looking at Woodley, you know, for, for, and Mike, you can attest to this for a long time. They, they call him a, a boring fighter. He's lackadaisical. He, you know, he doesn't pull the trigger and, you know, people said the same thing about Floyd Mayweather. You know what I mean? And the, and the, the whole point of fighting people who really understand fighting, it's inflicting the most damage and receiving the least amount as possible. So it's really like that. the path of, uh, of least resistance is what you're looking for. You want to inflict damage and not accumulate damage to yourself. And, you know, it's worked for Woodley, and people fail to also forget how well-rounded he is. I mean, listen—he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Tim Thomas. They don't—he doesn't hand black belts out. He's—he's he's a two-time All-American, you know, collegiate wrestler from Missouri. The guy's got a pipe piping right hand. I mean, he's yep. probably the, one of the most powerful, powerful pound-for-pound guys in the division. The guy's got everything. The only thing is, his cardio is a little, a little skeptic, and that's basically because you know, when you when you're that big, when you're that when you have that kind of musculature frame, your body, you know, needs more oxygen to oxygenate your, so at some points it's genetic, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, when you got a guy like Gilbert Burns, who is an extremely high pedigree Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner and player, you still got to get that guy to the ground. In order to to, to really play your game and play in the sandbox on the ground, you got to get him there. Getting Woodley to the ground with that wrestling pedigree is not going to be easy. You know, and when you're, when you're looking at changing levels on, on someone like Woodley, you still got to defend the power that he has, the explosion that he has, because he will bait you into the warning track. He will bait you into the cage. And when he lulls you and he gives you – he sells you that false sense of security where you think he's tired, and then he explodes forward. So, it, to me, it's a bad matchup for, for Gilbert Burns. It really is. But where is Tyron Woodley? Is, is he worried about his rap career, or is, he, or is he really back? That's really, really the question. You know what I mean? But as far as on paper – the matchup itself is a, is actually a really good matchup for Woodley.
1: You know, it's funny what you just said because I've always observed the same thing you you mentioned. It doesn't matter if you're Damian Maya, if you're Henzo Gracie, um, you know, their their takedowns are not great. Once they get you to the ground, then then it's trouble. But taking you down from the feet, I mean, I've seen guys who are Brazilian jiu jitsu black belts shoot like you know shoot like this with their hands way out, you know. Uh, spread uh, spread out. And you're just like, what are you doing, man? That's not how you take somebody down. And it's funny. You're right. It doesn't matter how good you are on the ground. If you can't get somebody to the ground. And that's one of the things that I was so impressed with, with George St. Pierre, he had the best takedowns at all of MMA. And he was Canadian.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, no, and he had no, no wrestling background.
1: Yeah. There's no wrestling background there. You know, you look at guys like Ben, Ben Askren, Frankie Edgar, uh, Daniel Cormier, all those things. But you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where, like you said, if if he can get Tyron to the ground, look out. Yeah. But I don't think he can.
0: Yeah, it's going it's, it's tough, man. It's it's a, it's a tough call. But like you said, like guys like Damian Maya, you have to you have to get it there. Damian Maya has mastered the the, the the form of getting you there. But if you look at guys, unless you're a guy like Ryan Hall, where he does these these crazy Iminari roles and stuff yep. like that, you know, to kind of get you there. A lot of these guys will just kind of pull guard. And think your ego is going to get the best of you when they they start calling you in into their guard. Like who the fuck is going to do that, you know, to someone like a Lovato or so? No no one's going to do something like that. But you know, when you look at the Pedro Muniz Frankie Eger fight, like this is a perfect example. You got Pedro Muniz who's very good on the ground, you know, but you got somebody who Frankie Eggers who's got a very high pedigree, high motor, you know, wrestling game with a good grappling game himself. So that right there is going to nullify itself. So. Frankie's fight, I could totally see just hang that fight hanging on the feet for fifteen minutes.
1: Absolutely. Well, it'll be a great week of fights, a great weekend of fights. I mean, and um, I think uh, I'm I'm glad Frankie came on a show, Mike. Uh, I think this is a great, uh, great way to start our our new show. How about
0: how about me? How about me screwing up? I I totally mixed up.